What is going on, Clutch Crew Sports fans? My name is Connor, the co-host with the most. And on this episode of Clutch Crew Sports, we're going to be looking back at the NFL Week 2. We're going to be looking at some NFL overreactions from the first two weeks and whether or not we buy into them, as well as looking ahead to some of the big games for next week. We are then going to be going over our Week 2 of the lock board, seeing how everybody did there. And we're going to close out by looking at some college football and talking about the number one team in the nation, the Alabama Crimson Tide. So it should be a good episode. Now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's up, guys? It's Zach. I'm not prepared to go second on the uh, introduction (laughs) slides, but, you know, uh, shout out to Connor for planning this episode, coming up with the slides and, and the plan for it. Really appreciate that. I had a long weekend uh, back in Jack's, seeing Eric, that was great. Unfortunately, I did go to the Jags Broncos game, got a sunburn, and watched the Jaguars lose their seventeenth game in a row, um, something like that. So, yeah, if Eric was here, I'm sure him and I would be having a rant segment about the team. But since he's not here, not gonna do it. Um, but uh, excited to talk about the buy or sell. That's always one of my favorite things to do. Is get the look at these overreactions that people come up with after the first two weeks and and really go through those so i'm really excited to do that and what's up guys it's nate here um i had kind of an up and down weekend with the football um ucf and uf both found um probably most like painful ways to lose um both their games so not the most fun but nfl yesterday was good the pats um are getting back in the right track there and fantasy's looking good so um hopefully hopefully should be some good stuff to talk about this week well thankfully fantasy is looking good for you because i uh, unfortunately managed to take the l in all four <laughs> of my leagues this week so uh not counting the guillotine league because i know i'm going to survive that because unfortunately eric might be falling out of that but um fantasy stuff aside we are ready to go around the shield and as we alluded to we got the Week two, buy or sell, we have our various topics here, all three of our pictures. Um, So basically, just going to give a topic, and we're going to see whether or not we buy into it or if we don't buy into it, if we think it's not going to happen. So moving right along to the first one, as Zach alluded to, the not exactly the best game in the world for the Jaguars uh, yesterday, um, that, like he said, their 17th straight loss. Unfortunately, they are also coming off of a week one loss to the Houston Texans, a game that they probably should have won. Um, I'm not sure how many people thought they were going to beat the Broncos, but Trevor Lawrence has not looked good in either of the games. So given Trevor Lawrence's slow start, has he officially lost his front runner status for the offensive rookie of the year? And Nate, I see, okay, you're jumping on the slides now, Nate? Yeah, I'm trying to get <laughs> okay. the slides to take care of it there. <laughs> there we go. Okay. There we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, there we that go. works. Um, <laughs> all right, so we have... Nate and Zach are buying into this. I am selling it. Um, I guess I will talk first. I don't feel like he's really lost his front runner status yet, just because I feel like we haven't seen really enough out of the other rookies to make me believe that they're going to be, you know, ahead of him in the race for the rookie of the year. Um, 
you know, Justin Fields just got into his first game this past week and, and he didn't look very good. Zach Wilson has looked even worse than Trevor Lawrence. Um, <laughs> and then Trey Lance, like hasn't even really played at all either. So, and if I'm looking at the other rookies, like Najee Harris hasn't been exciting. The only one in my opinion that is like creeping up on him, I guess is Mac Jones. Um, but even then, like he hasn't been, the real reason why the Patriots, you know, he wasn't the reason behind why they beat the Jets yesterday and he didn't have the greatest performance against the Dolphins. So I need to see a couple more weeks of other rookies like really performing better for me to say that Trevor isn't still the front runner. Um, but both of y'all said that you think he's lost it. And since Zach is the Jags fan, I will let Zach discuss why he thinks that's the case. Yeah. All right. So Trevor, if you're listening, uh, don't first of all, uh, I still love you, man. But I'm the reason I'm saying bye to this question is I just think it's not necessarily Trevor. I think it's just the offense in general. Receivers aren't winning re- winning their routes. Uh, the offensive line I don't think is that good. The scheme and the the play calling by the coaches hasn't been good for the past two weeks. So when you have a combination of that and the rookie quarterback uh, like Trevor making mistakes. He's already thrown a lot of interceptions. I think just the way that this offense is being run, I don't think he's going to have a very great season in general. Still doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be the best rookie QB. I just think this season is not going to be the prettiest for him. And you have so many other choices other than him as well. Four other rookie first-round quarterbacks. Granted, they haven't, you know, none of them have looked amazing or anything like that. But still, in the long run, I think eventually one of them is going to separate and past Trevor. Uh, so he might be the favorite right now or, or on the top list for that. But I think as the season goes on, I think someone else will take it from him. All right. Yeah, no, I definitely good points there. Who knows? I mean, I'm really interested to see how it plays out because I know going into this, we all unanimously picked Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. to win the award and now not exactly looking good for him. So uh, let's go on to the next one. So we have, talk about trevor lawrence so now the houston texans who i'm sure all of us really thought were going to be the worst team in the nfl this year fighting for that number one draft pick they had a pretty convincing win against the jaguars in week one and although they lost in week two they definitely managed to hang with the cleveland browns for quite a while um despite you know the supposed talent difference there you know the browns are looking to be you know, real deep playoff contenders, whereas the Texans, again, are basement dwellers. So with that being said, with how the Texans have looked, can the Texans make the playoffs this year? (laughs) All right. We're all in agreement. I mean, I might even move my picture off the screen here. (laughs) Um, So, Nate, tell us why the Texans won't make the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like you said, it's not um, enough talent there in Houston, especially now that I believe Tyrod Taylor just was now stays going to miss a bunch of time with an injury. And I don't even know who is behind him at quarterback. Now it's just I don't think they have enough talent to keep up with anybody, even in the um, AFC South, which is not the you know toughest division out there. It's like still got to finally be the Titans and the Colts, which I don't, you know, I don't see them keeping up with those teams. It's just, um, they're not built for it right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think their performances over the past 
few weeks are not really. I mean, I think the Jaguars, unfortunately, are not. I think it's going to take time for them to gel, so that's probably why the Texans beat them so badly. Um, and also, I think them hanging, hanging with the Browns was probably just a little bit of a fluke. I don't see this team really doing. If they if they get to third in the division, I guess I won't be surprised just the way the Jaguars have started. But even with the Colts' problems, I'd be really surprised if they even passed the Colts. So, um all right, so moving from the AFC South to the NFC South, the Carolina Panthers recently had a very dominant win over the New Orleans Saints, who themselves had a blah win over the Green Bay Packers, who are, you know, hoping to be kind of like the Cleveland Browns, like deep playoff contenders. Um, so with the New Orleans Saints looking bad, obviously the Falcons have had two really bad weeks. So, you know, all of us, when we had our early season predictions, the highest any of us had the Panthers finishing was third. Um, but with the way they've looked over these first two weeks, are the Carolina Panthers the best or the biggest threat to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC South? All right, so we have Zach and I think they are, and Nate does not. I guess I'll start with Nate. Why do you not think the Panthers are the biggest threat to the Buccaneers out of the NFC South teams? Um, To me, I just think it's too early to tell with the Panthers. They've looked very solid through two weeks, but um, I just think that the Saints overall have a better um, roster with more talent. It's still most of the same players from last year, um, especially on that defense. I really like the the players have got back there whereas uh the panthers have a solid defense but i just don't think when you're talking about um keeping up with tampa bay i think i would give the saints the edge there with um you know cam jordan and davenport and all those guys um obviously didn't help last year in the playoffs and james winston is not um the same type of quarterback as drew Brees. obviously he's not you know drew Brees one of the best ever and james winston we know what he uh, has been in the past, but he does have, I think he's more, to me, his ceiling is a lot higher than Sam Darnold. I mean, he's got, um, he does have an, a great arm. It's just, will he make the right throws? And if Sean Payton can kind of keep him on the right track, I think that roster is a lot, um, you know, more competitive. Even without a guy like Christian McCaffrey, I think they're, you know, they've got Alvin Kamara. So I think overall, I would like them in the long run. All right, so Zach, out of the four hosts on this podcast, when we did our division predictions, you were the one that had the Panthers the lowest in the NFC South at last place, whereas the rest of us had them in third. So what has made you change your mind about the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, so the biggest reason I think that they have a threat to the Buccaneers, which granted still I don't think it's that big of a threat um to right. them <laughs> like this isn't this isn't like last year with the Saints and Bucks how they were you know neck and neck but it's going to be the Panthers defense I think I think if I think the the way that this will work out for the Panthers is to have a really strong defensive performance get pressure on Brady uh win a game like 21-17 or something like that against Tampa um, I'm not a believer in Sam Darnold still like that's what's holding. That's what I think will ultimately hold the Panthers back in the long run. Uh, they, I think they still need a better quarterback than him, but, uh, right now it's tough to argue any other team is better than the Panthers. When you look at the saints and Falcons, I mean, the Falcons are looking like a disappointment. I thought there'd be 
I had more expectations for the Falcons. Uh, the Saints seem to be a team like hot and cold, and that's just how Jameis Winston has always been hot and cold. Uh, so I guess that's no surprise with the Saints being hot and cold. But uh, the Panthers, I think, do have the best chance to beat the Bucks out of those teams. Yeah, the Saints to me definitely, they look like the old Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Jameis, or even they look like the Tennessee Titans, I think would be a good comparison because the Titans are always one of those really hot or cold teams. So um, definitely moving on. So we all, all four of us at the start of the season came in with unique and different MVP picks. Um, You know, Eric had Mahomes. I had Josh Allen. Zach had Kyler Murray. Nate had Baker Mayfield. But one guy who probably wasn't on anyone's radar at the start of the season for an MVP was Derek Carr, who he threw for 432 yards in week one, got the win, threw for 382 in week two, also got the win. Um, and he's looking really strong. Like the Raiders are off to one of their strongest starts in recent memory. Does this now mean that Derek Carr is an MVP favorite? I guess is Nate. You're just not. Oh, so you're not just All not right. gonna move your thing. <laughs> okay. Um, so Zach and I are both on the buy side, like kind of very slightly on the buy side, whereas Nate is still on the sell end. Um, I guess I just don't know if I trust him to keep it up for a full season. Like I definitely think right now he's putting himself in a position to compete for that. Um, but I mean, just to me, I don't think he's going to stack up at the end of the year when you look at the other competitors like i mean obviously mahomes is really good you know kyler murray's been off to a fantastic start we we haven't talked about him yet but obviously in the conversation tom brady has had a really good start to the season i just don't know for sure if Derek carr can keep it up the for the entire season which is why i'm only slightly on the buy side because i think he's a good favorite right now but i'm not 100 percent sure he's going to keep it up all year um but nate you don't think he's a favorite right now why is that the case yeah, I mean, I just think it's very early to tell, and I mean, I'm definitely a, I'm a fan of his. I think he's been underrated for a while, but I also don't think he's going to make enough plays statistically to um, really stay in the running for that long enough, especially when you look at, like you said, Tom Brady's thrown, thrown nine touchdowns through uh, two games. Kyler Murray's doing ridiculous stuff. It's like, it's going to take a lot to, um, I think, win that award, and um, he'll definitely win games for the Raiders and he'll put up decent stat lines, but he's not going to, he's going to need to throw for like, you know, fourth out, but like, I guess it's an extra game this season. So he's going to go for like 4,500 yards and probably like close to 50 touchdowns to really like, I didn't keep up with, you know, Brady and Mahomes and Kyler. So I don't think he's got, he's not that type of player to me at least. All right. So moving on, going to go back to the AFC South here. We started with it. We're going to go back to it. Um, so obviously everyone remembers last year, the NFC East sending a team with a losing record to the playoffs. Um, the AFC South not looking like a very good division right now. Is there any possibility that the AFC South will repeat that and send a team with a losing record to the playoffs? All right. <laughs> I was like, oh, Nate's in the middle. Oh, Nate, Nate's back. trying to be different again, I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. So, Zach, um, we're all on the cell factor. Yeah. It's pretty far on the cell factor. Um, tell us about the AFC South. 
All right. So there's a couple couple things that I think are going to prevent a losing record team. I definitely think they will be like the fourth seed um, when it comes down to it. But uh, the thing is, you have an extra game this season, first of all. So that's, you know, 17 games. Um, and two, the, they're going to be playing. The division's going to play itself. And so far, there's only been one in the first two weeks. There's only been one game between divisional teams, Texans and Jaguars. I think the Titans are clearly the class of the division. I was never sold on the Colts. Um, I was optimistic about the Jaguars, but it's looking like they're having a season like last year's. And I think at the end of the day, the Texans are still going to be what we thought they were going to be. They'll give teams a tough game, but they're going to lose a lot of games. Uh, So I think the Titans can easily, I mean, I would project them to sweep the division. So that's six wins right there. Uh, They've already got one win. Um, not in the division, so that's seven. And then they're a good more. enough team. Yeah, they're a good enough team to find two more wins on their schedule. So I think they'll get a couple more wins, but they're really going to benefit. Their record is going to benefit from playing the Jaguars twice, Texans twice, and Colts twice. So that's the main reason I think the Titans. They're definitely the class. This isn't an NFC East case where all the teams are like on each other's level. Like the Titans are clearly better than the other teams. Yeah, I probably would have been a little bit more uh, buy on this if the Titans hadn't managed to come back against the Seahawks yesterday. Because honestly, with the way they were looking, I was thinking like, man, that might be a possibility. But they came back and proved, like Zach said, that they're the class of the division. So I agree. There's, They should easily be able to get to 9-8. and eight. I don't see why they can't. I mean, I think with this division, at least like 10 or 11 wins is very possible. Um, <clears throat> all right, so moving on, you know, Kyler Murray has had a really good start to the season. We're going to go to the NFC West. Um, you know, Arizona, their offense has been putting up some insane numbers the first few weeks. Um, they put up 38 points against the Titans, 34 against the Minnesota Vikings. And Kyler Murray is off to a great start in his bid for MVP. Does the Arizona Cardinals have an offense that is better or on the level of the Kansas City Chiefs? All right, I think all staying in the cell range here. Zach is the, I guess I'll go to Zach since he's the closest in the middle on this. Um, what's, what does Arizona need, I guess, since you're in the middle almost? What do they need to have, have that push to say that they are better than the Chiefs offense? Yeah, it, I think just consistency, that's the thing. Um, they've The Chiefs have been doing this for so long now that it's hard to pick against them and uh, Arizona's really just this season, they look like a different team and a much better team. So um, the only, it's really tough on this one. The thing, in my opinion, that's making this not an obvious sell is just the fact that Kansas City um, is having five brand new offensive linemen start for them. So I think Kansas City's offensive line, I still think needs some more time together. And that's really the only major separator, I think. But um, I'm still thinking Kansas City's got the best offense. Arizona, though, they're they're climbing up there. I need to see some more consistency uh, for a couple more weeks. But, I mean, they have the weapons, that's for sure. For sure. All right. So moving on to the back to the NFC South again, this time talking about the Buccaneers. You know, Dak Prescott came out and threw for 400 yards on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Matt Ryan 
although he did have a couple interceptions or had three interceptions in that game against the Bucks, he did throw for over 300 yards. And I also saw the clips like the two pick sixes were honestly not his fault. Um, they were more tipped balls than like him just making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so and so and also, like I said, Prescott kind of shredded that secondary. So is the secondary of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to be what keeps them from repeating as Super Bowl champions? Uh, looks like Ooh. we're all different. Well, on this that's <laughs> a, this is interesting. So I'm in the buy. Zach is on the sell and Nate is in the middle here. Um, so I guess I'll go first. I, in my opinion, I think it is just because it's one of those things. I kind of saw it in that game against the Cowboys that, you know, one of the reasons why they had such huge success against Mahomes and the chiefs in the super bowl was just the, the performance of the chiefs offensive line. They were in Mahomes' face. Like, I think they said a stat last night, like 60% of his dropbacks, he was under pressure, which is an insane number when normally it's kind of down, like even a good game would be in like the thirties or forties, but like 60% is ridiculous. Um, And that's the thing, but I think I, we saw it against the Cowboys where, you know, when you go up against a team with a good offensive line, the depth in that secondary is very thin. And as long as you can keep those pass rushers like Shaq Barrett and JPP from getting to the quarterback, then the quarterback's going to, I mean, I said Prescott had a field day against them. And I mean, if you look at some of the other quarterbacks in the NFC, like Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, some of these really a lot decent quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, like they're going to have going to be able to throw on the Buccaneers. And if someone has a defense that's even somewhat more competent than Dallas is like the Rams, for example, then, you know, I think that's a very worrying sign for Tampa Bay that this second, especially the corners. I think the safeties are sound. Obviously, Winfield is really good. Um, and then their other safety, he was hurt in the game against Dallas. But the mm-hmm. cornerbacks who are playing and the depth at cornerback is a huge worry for me. Um, so I think it's going to keep them. Nate, you're in the middle on this. What's your opinion on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary? Yeah, so I'm I'm in the middle because I think that if anything does stop them from repeating, that is the area that it would be. Um, they're still my favorite to make it back to the Super Bowl, but. That is, I would say, the weakest area of their team. You know, the offense is going to put up points every week, assuming no injuries. Uh, their D-line is still nasty. The linebackers are great, but that is the one weak spot. They're, you know, got some young guys back there, and they do make mistakes. They let the Falcons stay around um, pretty late into the game yesterday, uh, even though the offense put up, you know, 30 points. So, you know, going into the fourth quarter. So, um, I think... I'm not going to say right now that it's going to keep them from repeating, but I think I'm more in the position that if something does uh, stop them, it's going to be that that's their big weakness. All yes. Right. Uh, I guess I'll just say why really quickly, why I'm going to say sell to this. Um, you guys make good points. They're, they're definitely an injured secondary right now. That's another thing. Uh, Sean Murphy buntings on IR and, They've got some other players bang, banged up right now. But, guys, they are reaching out to Richard Sherman. So... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Arians has reached out to him. But, no, I think what's going to keep them from repeating, I think, is not going to be just one position group, like a secondary. I think it's going to be, honestly, penalties, mistakes, 
Um, just a combination of things. I don't think it's going to be one specific thing that's going to keep them from repeating. Like, it's it's going to be injuries, stuff like that, in my opinion, not just one specific thing. Okay, so I did have nine uh, for this. I'm going to cut it down to eight just for time purposes. Um, and the ninth one I kind of just came up with on the fly anyway. So um, move to the last one. You know, obviously the we the NFC West we all knew was going to be good, um, but the AFC West this season, you know, the Chiefs although one and one have been very strong in both of their games. Um, the Chargers kind of the same way, one and one, but strong in both of their games. The Raiders are two and zero, and the Broncos are two and zero. So with the new playoff system with seven teams and two and three wild cards, is there potential for the AFC West? of all the divisions in the AFC to send three playoff teams this year. All right. So we have Zach and I once again on the pie with Nate being the odd one out on the cell. Uh, Nate, give us your opinion on the AFC West and three potential playoff teams. Yeah, I just think that, um, I haven't looked at all their schedules individually to see, you know, how tough it's looking. But I just think three teams out of that division is a little bit much. I definitely think, obviously, the Chiefs are making it barring injuries. I think the Raiders are actually, I really, you know, like the roster this year. I think they could make it. But I think the Chargers, at making it as the third team, they are a little bit, I feel like, unpredictable. I like Justin Herbert a lot, and they have a good roster. But I I don't know. They don't. They don't scream like playoff team to me, especially since they're gonna have to um, go and pick up big wins against uh, those Chiefs and Raiders teams. Um, I just don't see them winning enough. Plus, the Broncos are sneaky good. They could steal one of those games. I just feel like um, it's too hard to get three, but they could definitely get um, both the Raiders and the Chiefs in there. All right, Zach. So. I'm assuming you're probably on the same board with Chiefs and Raiders for sure. Um, but tell us why either the Chargers or the Broncos will also sneak in there. Yeah, I mean, this it's tough to figure out which one it's going to be. I think I'd lean Chargers right now. But that's the thing. It's like there's no bad teams right now. So that's that gives you more confidence. It's not like a division with the Jets or the Jaguars, like teams that you know are probably not going to make the playoffs. So the fact that any four of these teams, they're going to be favored to win games, not in the division, a majority of the time. I mean, the Chiefs are a lock, that's for sure. Um, so these other teams, they're going to be favorites against their other competition. And until I see something that tells me that they won't be, I think there's absolutely a chance that you get three playoff teams from the West. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's the other contributing factor for me um, for is just how weak the AFC has started to look. I mean, I, I think definitely they're still stronger than the NFC overall, but I don't think they're as strong as they were last year, um, especially with like the Colts, you know, looking like a hot mess. You know, only one team's going to come out of the AFC South and it's going to be the Titans. Honestly, the AFC North is looking a bit interesting. Like I know. The Bengals, I I don't trust them at all. You know, they're they're still not very good. I think that one win over the Vikings was a little bit of a fluke. Um, you know, the Steelers are going to be very up and down. Um, unless, like, you know, I mean, if the Raiders are really good, then I won't put too much into that. But, I mean, you know, the Steelers, who knows? They're going to probably be hot and cold like the Saints. The Ravens, I also still don't trust. I think 
the reason why they won that game against the Chiefs was their game plan rather than the team they have. I think they really exploited Chris Jones being out on the edge trying to do the read option, and that's really not what he's good for. So they were able to run all over the Chiefs uh, last night. And then even the Browns, like they've showed a little bit of signs of weakness. I think they're still the, the best chance to make it, but it's just the little bit of the weakness in the AFC that I think. I think the I would agree that it's the Chargers probably more. I think the Broncos, I need to see more than wins over the Giants and Jaguars for me to believe that they're going to make it. But, you know, um, it's definitely a real possibility with that wild card. So that's going to include the buy or sell. Uh, surprisingly, Zach and I agreed on a lot of stuff. Um, you know, maybe we're... Things are changing. <laughs> yeah, you know, times are changing here on the podcast. Zach and I have been agreeing more recently, so uh, who knows? But now we're going to go ahead and look at three. Uh, we did this last week, and I think we did this uh, the week before, too. Look at three games that we think are going to be crucial and, um, you know, games to watch for next week. So we're going to start by going to Zach to talk about the Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, so this is this is a matchup, I think. The Titans should win. I mean, they are the home team in this uh, Colts at Titans. Uh, expect Derrick Henry to have a big game, I think. Um, and also, too, what's going to make this interesting a little bit, I think, is Jacob Eason probably gets the start here. Carson Wentz, I I really didn't think he was going to be that good. He hasn't shown that he's going to be very good. But I don't believe in Jacob Eason either, but at least it's that unknown. You know, he could have like a Gardner Minshew type game where he just like, you know, comes out of nowhere. Who is this Jacob Eason guy, you know, fifth or sixth round pick, whatever he was, and like has an upset win. But uh, I'm going to take the Titans. I just think they're the better team overall. Um, the only chance really, uh, I think, for the Colts is if they get um, if they really exploit Tennessee's offensive line like Arizona did, how miserable um, Taylor Lawan was in that game. Like if they can get pressure to Tannehill. Maybe they'd have a chance in a real low-scoring game, but I'm I'm going to take the the favorite as the Titans in this one. Yeah, I definitely think that um, despite the fact that the Titans can be up and down and the fact some of the injuries they've had, I just think the Colts, like with the unprovenness with Eason, um, I think for sure the Titans are going to win this game. Uh, Nate, who are you picking for this game? Yeah, I'm thinking the the Titans as well. Um, I just think there's too much unpredictability with the Colts and, you know, Derrick Henry got hot last game. I think if he keeps rolling out and see how the Colts are going to uh, stop him there. All right. So now we're going to move on to another divisional round game with my favorite team, the Steelers. We have the Bengals at the Steelers. This to me is just going to be interesting because of the fact that, you know, the Steelers, I don't, none of us expected them to beat the Bills. Um, but then also like a very not good looking game against the Raiders last week at home. Um, you know, there was a bit of a, some injuries on the defense in that game that contributed to it. I know TJ Watt, Joe Hayden, um, and a couple others, I think Schobert also, or not Schobert, Devin Bush, they were all hurt at different times. So that probably contributed. Um, but the offense just looks slow. Like it doesn't look like it's in sync yet. And honestly, I'm starting to, worry that you know Ben Roethlisberger is the problem in this offense like the offensive line has not been fantastic but you know it's a new offensive line it's going to take time to gel Najee Harris has been doing you know okay but honestly just some of the decisions I've seen Roethlisberger make have been questionable like I question he looks like he's not trying to read the field 
anymore. It looks like he's just trying to look for that first read and he's throwing it, which, you know, it's not always there. Like the slant's not always going to be there. You have to look around. He's not doing his regular, you know, stand in the pocket for, you know, five seconds and make plays and uh, make things happen. So uh, I don't know. Like, And also, like I said, with the Bengals, they're really not a good team, in my opinion. Um, like I said, I think the offensive line's really holding them back and, you know, they weren't able to do really much against the Bears last week. So, um, but this is an divisional game and the Steelers are at home. So I saw them beat the Bills and, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Maybe since they were cold last week, they'll be hot this week. So I have to go and ride with the Steelers in this one. Uh, Zach, what do you think? This is going to be real, real tough. Um, I think it's going to be close. I'm going to give the edge to the Steelers being at home in this game. I think is going to carry them, but I think it'll be a close game. Field goal decides it. All right, Nate, 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 what about you? Yeah, I think with the way the um, Steelers have been playing lately, I think that's going to be a close one, but I'm going to go with Pittsburgh here. This is still going to give them the benefit of the doubt on talent alone. All right, so then moving on to our last game, a potential NFC Championship preview game here. Um, I'm really excited for this one. It's kind of weird that it's not going to be a primetime game. It's only a 4 o'clock game, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to L.A. to face the L.A. Rams. Nate, tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely uh, the most interesting game of the week there. Probably, like you said, potential NFC uh, Championship preview probably two of the best rosters top to bottom um, in that conference. I think it'll be interesting to see um, the Bucks already took down the Cowboys. I think it'll be interesting to see how they uh, stack up versus that Rams D-line. Uh, Brady and Gronk and Evans and all of them basically had their way with every team they've – I mean, I don't want to say every team has been two weeks, but um, in both games we've seen them in, Brady's got nine touchdowns. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do versus um, Aaron Donald – Aaron Donald and all those guys over there. Um, so first field test for the Bucks. Um, great test for the Rams there to see if they're legit. Um, see, if, uh, you know, on the other side how Matt Stafford does versus that Bucks defense too. So um, I'm going to give the benefit um, to the Bucks. Um, obviously, both these rosters, like I said, are amazing. Um, but I think they're very hot right now, and I'm going to give them the edge there. I'm curious to see what you guys have to say. Yeah, so I am going to take the Rams in this one. I think this is going to be really interesting, like you said, to watch. I think especially more so for me for Tampa, since this is by far the best defense they faced all year. Um, you know, they played the Cowboys in week one, which their defense is getting better, but it's still not really that good. Um, and then obviously they played the Falcons last week, who their defense is a dumpster fire. So I'm not surprised that Brady was able to throw for five touchdowns on them. Um, but the Rams are a different story. You know, the number one defense last year, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, all those guys are, are back there. And they've been playing pretty well the first few weeks. Um, a little bit of a interesting game last week against the Colts. I think the Colts put up more points than I thought they would have. Um, but the Colts also have a good offensive line. So who knows? Um, but and also for me, the Rams are the home team. I think Matthew Stafford gets it done. Um, you know, and I think the Rams are going to take this one. Zach, what about you? This is another tough one to decide. Definitely a game of the week to watch. I'm going to go with the Bucks, though. Just I think if they're this is one of the more likely games for the Bucks to lose all season, 
being on the road at LA, that's a cross country trip and all, but uh, I'm just taking the box. I, at the end of the day, it's, you know, tough to pick against Brady in any matchup. And uh, I think he'll have something in store for the Rams defense. For sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this one because um, it could be an indication, like we said about uh, later on this year in the mm-hmm. playoffs of what could come. So now we're going to move on to week two of the lockboard. That's going to conclude around the shield. Um, so we all made our picks over the weekend. And so here is the current standings. Unfortunately for Zach, uh, laying a goose egg this week. So he stays in last place at five points. Well, he stays, he wasn't third. He moves down to last place with five points. Eric pulling out five points this week stays in the lead with 15. Nate and I both got six. So I was, uh, stayed in second place with 13 and Nate moved up to third with nine points. Only a two point gap between Eric and I It was a three point gap last week. So, um, staying close at the top. But let's move on to our picks. Um, Nate, you had the first pick and managed to get two of your picks right. So talk to us about your picks and what you were thinking. Yeah, so my picks was kind of um, uh, the same strategy I had week one. Just worked out a little bit better this time. Tried to go with um, some three points and two points. Um, you know, nothing too crazy. I'm staying away from the five points, though, because I don't trust any of those. We haven't seen enough of these teams uh, quite yet to know. Um when one of those is really um, when 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 the spread is too high in one of those games, so um, got the Dallas one right. That was my most confident pick. That was my first overall pick. And then Virginia Tech, I was kind of iffy on, but I thought you know pretty balanced matchup. And then uh, MSU or Miami, I couldn't believe that Miami was still ranked um, this week after the you know the way they got destroyed by. Uh, Alabama week one I couldn't believe they're still 24th and favorite over Michigan State so that was kind of a easy one to pick as well yeah for sure so now we'll move on to Zach what went wrong man uh never a good week to put up a goose egg yeah definitely some things went wrong with my picks I will say I did have that Dallas over Chargers game as my first one that I wanted but of course Nate had the benefit of the first pick so he got that one instead of me that was a three-point swing or six point swing there potentially if I'd had the first pick but the other ones I did feel confident in I had Auburn beating Penn State um I attend the skew SEC in those types of games so I that's why I would I really thought Auburn would win I had Washington State over USC I thought being at home for Washington State and all the turmoil going on with USC with their coach and stuff I thought Washington State would have a a good chance to get that, and that was a five-pointer, so I wanted to have a priority on that. And then I had the Bengals over the Bears. Um, they played a lot, a lot better in week one. They were on the road, but they were still an underdog, so I thought Cincinnati had a real good shot at winning that one. They obviously didn't. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, those were all the picks that went wrong, and hopefully <laughs> next week now I got the number one pick, so I can't be mad about anyone stealing my pick. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be uh, whatever I want first I'm going to get, so looking forward to that at least. <laughs> yeah, for sure, especially since you're uh, you're in unfamiliar territory being in last place here overall. Cause I think yeah, I, mean, pretty, I, I mean, la- you and I kind of traded the lead for all of last year until you kind of pulled away at the end, so... Um, Definitely interesting. So 
guess we'll move on to my picks. Um, so my first pick, I had BYU over Arizona State, and BYU came in for me again. They delivered five points to me last week and another three points this week. Um, I was kind of surprised when I saw that they were home underdogs against Arizona State, especially the way that they um, you know, really had dominated the way, or I don't know if they dominated, but like just the way they beat Utah the week before. Um, and especially since Arizona state was having some turmoil going on, I thought that was a pretty, pretty easy pick there. Um, then I had Tennessee over Seattle. Um, that one was looking very nervous for me for most of the game. Uh, Seattle was doing really good in the first half, but Tennessee managed to come back and win. And then my last pick, I did not have any five pointers this pointers this week, um, which I guess worked out for me because most of them didn't go very well. I wasn't terribly confident in any of them. Um, the one that I had the most confidence in was Washington State over USC, which obviously Zach picked that, and I'm glad I didn't get it since it didn't happen. Um, but really, none of the other ones I felt good about, especially the NFL ones. I thought all the NFL ones were terrible because it was like, you know, something like picking Houston over Cleveland or picking, you know, Atlanta over Tampa Bay, which no one's going to do that. So, um, but my last pick was Indiana over Cincinnati. Uh, unfortunately, Indiana was, you know, leading at one point in that game and hanging with Cincinnati, but kind of like late third quarter, Cincinnati kind of pulled away. So um, I missed out on three points there, but I still gained ground on Eric. So I'm happy with that. And speaking of Eric, the way that our, uh, the lockboard draft worked out this week Eric ended up with three five-pointers as his picks, which I thought was going to go completely terribly for him. Um, but at least for his sake, one of them managed to go right. His first pick was Purdue over Notre Dame, which I actually I didn't even think about that when I was picking. Um, but I know he picked it because Notre Dame had had two really bad performances against not very good teams in Florida State and um, Georgia Tech, I think it was. Or I don't know if it was Georgia Tech, but whoever it was. Someone who wasn't very good, so they didn't have a good performance. So I, I see why he did that. Unfortunately, Notre Dame looks like kind of found their team last week and pretty much blew out Purdue. Um, then he also had Virginia over UNC, which I can understand that too. The ACC is very uh, turmoil right now, but UNC pretty easily handled that. The one that he got correct was San Diego State over Utah, which was the other five-pointer that I was considering taking. Um Definitely, uh, it was a very close game. It went to three overtimes. Um, San Diego State won on a missed two-point conversion by Utah. So that was week two of the lockboard. Week three is coming up. Hopefully, there'll be a little bit more green for Zach. Hopefully, a little less green for Eric, since I so I can take over the lead from him. <laughs> um, but it'll be interesting. I The drafting format that we have this year is very interesting, because um, I know... I'm not going to really explain it, but, you know, just the way it worked out, the fact that Eric had five, three or three, five pointers, uh, you know, I don't think that would have happened. He told me he wouldn't have done that. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah. Pretty certain that wouldn't have happened in a regular draft. So um, very interesting there. So then that sets it up for next week that Zach will have, like Zach alluded to, he will have the first pick. Eric will be second. And then Nate and I tied for the most, but Nate picked before me last week. So I will be third and Nate will be fourth. Now moving on to our weekly fantasy update. Um, I don't know why I don't have the slides like this right now, Um, but I was too busy moving my pictures back and forth. But anyway, um, unfortunately, Clutch Crew Sports for the, you know, I know last week when we did this, we weren't so sure if we were going to win or not. Um, And we did end up losing. 
Unfortunately, we're going to take the L for the second week in a row. Um, shout out to at Dads on Dayquil podcast. They beat us 123 to 98. Um, a poor performance from Alvin Kamara and Tyler Higby, plus Jarvis Landry getting injured really held us back. Um, and also a big 25-point performance by Buffalo's defense really helped them. So anytime you can get 25 points out of your defense, um, you're probably winning. So that's unfortunate for us. Hopefully we can bounce back next week. Um, you know, honestly, I thought when we drafted this team that we would be at least one and one at this point, but um, who knows? Maybe we were not as smart as we thought we were when we were drafting. We... <laughs> it's not, t- it's not time to panic yet, guys. No fire the coach. I don't want to hear any of that. Uh, <laughs> the, no, uh, <laughs> the, the management is always got it all under control, but shout out to dads on Dayquil. Uh, for the win but you know next week i don't know who we're playing but uh they better get our best that's for sure yeah really i guess i will uh while i'm moving on to the next segment i can quickly look at that since i have the app here next week we are playing the feeling lucky podcast um so hopefully we can get a win over them they are currently feeling lucky about that (laughs) well they're (laughs) currently they are currently two and oh so it's going to be a oh and two versus an oh and two so or versus a two and oh so hopefully our team will do better. So we're going to close out this episode by going around the NCAA. Um, I alluded to it earlier that the big topic this week is going to be the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, a very, you know, they had the blowout win in week one against, um, against Miami. And then last week, I can't even remember who they played last week. Um, it was someone who was not very, it was like some smaller school that of course they were going to win. So, but this week they had their first SEC game, their first big test on the road against Florida at the Swamp, and not exactly the best performance for them. Despite the win, only it was a thirty-one to twenty-nine win, um, but they did allow Florida to rush for over two hundred and fifty yards on them, and especially considering that Emory Jones, who you know we had this debate last week about the Florida quarterback situation. And Emroy Jones, the one that Zach and Nate felt like should be replaced. Um, I, I'd be surprised if he wasn't getting replaced now, considering that he only had he had under 200 yards and an interception, a horrible performance. Um, and yet Florida still managed to stay in this game. So I'll go to Nate first, since he is the resident Florida fan here. Um, what do you think about Alabama potentially being vulnerable here? Um, do you think that they really are vulnerable or maybe this was just some fluky thing and this performance against Florida won't happen against other teams. Yeah. So I'm, I think it's still a little bit early in the season to tell. Um, I wouldn't say they're necessarily vulnerable. I mean, I do think that Florida is, and not just as a fan, I do think that um, their defense particularly played very well. Um, They held them, I think under, under a hundred yards, maybe or it was, it was very close to 100 yards. It was one of their worst rushing outputs in, like, several years. So it was – I think part of it was um, Florida's D-line, but also they may be weaker than usual. Um, it's, it's definitely not as good of a, you know, roster as last year. They had some incredible talent there. Um, I, I'm not super high on Bryce Young, so they, they could be weak this year, but um, I'd like to see how they do as they get in more to the conference schedule and – um, get a few more games under them because, like you said, their first two weeks were pretty easy. I mean, Miami, 
um, was ranked, but I think that was more for like TV purposes. They're not, you know, a very good team uh, either. So, um, yeah, I think it's very, you know, be interesting with how Bama does going forward. And um, for you have to just to mention, I think um, Anthony Richardson, who we talked about on the show last week, I believe I heard that he was um, a little bit injured. Um, he, um, I think, hurt his hamstring on that long touchdown run versus USF uh, two weeks ago. And I think that might have been a reason he was held out. But I agree. I think it could have been a totally different game if he would have played. And it'll be interesting to see if they go back to um, using him a little bit more going forward there. So, Zach, um, I guess kind of similar thing to you. I know Nate touched upon it, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Alabama this year? All right, so this is – I agree with Nate that this isn't as good of a team as it was last year, but when you say vulnerable, I'm just looking at the other top teams, and there's no team in college football that stands out that's uh, considerably better than Alabama is. I mean, Oklahoma struggled. They struggled to beat Nebraska. I'm not sold on Georgia, honestly. Um, and then Penn State's look pretty good, and Clemson and Ohio State, two usual teams that have good – uh, chances of being Alabama they've both looked bad this year so I don't see a team like LSU from a couple years ago that LSU team we could tell early in the season wow this team's gonna be they're gonna contend with Bama um, or even uh, the Clemson team from Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence those teams that beat Alabama I just don't see any of those teams in college football right now so for me they might not be as good but I think the rest of college football isn't as good either so uh, that's why I I still think Alabama's going to roll on to another championship, but hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I guess if I had to put it on a scale of, like, 0 to 100, with 0 being completely not vulnerable and 100 being the most vulnerable, I'd probably put it at, like, a 25, I guess, right now. Um, just, I know... For me, it's really just I want to see how it's going to be interesting to see how they do with this SEC schedule that they have, because obviously they do have the benefit of not having to play Georgia this year. Um, You know, being that they're in different divisions, they don't always play every year. Um, But then coming up like they have a game against Ole Miss coming up, who's ranked number 13. That's a home game Um, that I wouldn't expect to give them too much trouble. Um, but then they have a road game against Texas A&M, which Texas A&M has looked weak, but, you know, they are still the number seven team in the country. And, you know, going into Kyle Field is obviously not very easy. Um, then after that, it gets quite a bit easier for them. I know, like, they play Mississippi State, Tennessee, you know, LSU, all these teams, all these SEC teams that aren't really going to be contenders this year. Um, but then looking at the end of the season is going to be the other interesting thing. You know, Arkansas has surprisingly looked pretty good. Um that game is at home for Alabama again. So um, kind of like the Ole Miss game, I wouldn't expect it to be too hard, but you know, who knows? Like I said, Arkansas has been looking better. And then the end of the year, I know is going to be the big intrigue, you know, obviously the iron bowl against Auburn. And for some, for whatever reason, Alabama always struggles when they go to play Auburn. Um, you know, when it's a home game, it seems like Alabama always blows them out. Um, but whenever it's at Auburn, it's always a really close game. And Auburn is, you know, they're not definitely not the best team this year, but they are still a decent team. Um, so, you know, their one loss coming to Penn State, who's, you know, pretty good in their own right. So that's why I think, like I said, it's out of 25. I still think, like Zach said, they're the favorites to win the championship. But, you know, I definitely think 
there's potential this year, whereas last year I really didn't see it. Um, there's, so there's a little bit, little glimmer of hope for everyone else out there. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll close. You know, we have time. Uh, just looking at the rankings this week, um, you know, some big movers and big followers and who surprised and who didn't. Um, the biggest mover this week, you know, shout out to my guys at BYU. Um, moving up eight spots in the rankings. Um, if nothing else, you know, I may not be the biggest fan of them, but they did get me eight points already this year in the lock board. So shout out to them. Um, another big mover was Michigan coming all the way up uh, six spots to number 19. And the biggest droppers, UCLA dropping 11 spots. Um, so... I guess I will go to Nate first. Um, what about the, is there anything in these rankings that surprises you? Is there anyone who you is somewhere you don't think they should be, or, you know, what's your overall opinion of these rankings? Yeah. I mean, overall, I think I, I don't know. I, I honestly think they've got it pretty much right. I don't think there's much that would change. Um, kind of talked about last week. I think it's still a little bit early, um, and the season really shake things up because most teams have only had maybe like one real um, test so far. Um, I think the only thing that I would say is too high is still probably Cincinnati. Um, they're three and zero. I don't want to hate on a you know group of five team, but um, that's the one team I don't think belongs in the top ten based on um, the talent of their team. I don't think they're going to finish up um, in that spot. I'd be I'd be surprised if they did. Um, and other than that, there's only um, two one-loss teams in the top ten, and they're both Clemson and Ohio State, which, you know, those guys always get the benefit of the doubt, which I have no problem with. Um, other than that, I mean, um, I haven't looked too much to see who's, like, you know, 26, 27, if, like, should anybody else be in here or dropped out. Um, I don't really have anything to complain about, really. Not yet, All right. at least. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> right. So, Zach, um, I guess Nate alluded to this uh, a little bit, but give me your opinion on, you know, Clemson and Ohio State. They actually both dropped this week. Clemson fell three spots. Ohio State only fell one spot despite winning this week. So, I don't know. What's your opinion on those two teams? Since, like, I know you talked about they're usually the perennial contenders mm-hmm. with Alabama. So, uh, what's going on with them? Yeah, this it's an interesting season of college football when Clemson and Ohio State aren't, you know, in the top five, at least one of them. So I think it's I think based on what we've seen so far, it's fair. I think Ohio State in particular, they really seem like that the Big Ten is wide open. You have Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State there, um, Wisconsin maybe, Michigan, like you have a really wide open Big Ten race, which will be will make things interesting. So, as far as the rankings go with Clemson Ohio State, I think I think they're pretty good. Um, I want to see some more out of them. I want here's the thing: is like they need to show a good win against a good team for me to want to move them up. Uh, that's my thing with them. I want to see an actual good performance because they really haven't played good this season at all either team. So. They're really in this spot based on projections. Um, and then just looking at some other things, too, I'll actually say the only sort of thing that I would really change in the rankings is I would move North Carolina up at least four or five spots. I think they're more deserving of it than some teams ahead yeah, of them. Yeah, Zach advocating for my team there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they do seem like a hot and cold type of team, but when they're hot, they're hot. I mean, they scored like 50-something points against Virginia Tech. 
So I would move North Carolina up a couple spots. I think they're better than 21, but, um, but yeah, that other than that, uh, the rankings, they, they look pretty all right to me. Yeah. I'm definitely agreeing with what all of you are saying. I definitely think in my opinion, if I had to change one thing, I'd probably move Ohio state back up to nine and I would actually move Florida ahead of Clemson. I think Clemson to me just looks really, really weak this year. I mean, I know, you know, they had that 10-3 loss to Georgia. You know, obviously not really a whole lot of shame, I guess, to say, since Georgia's the number two team. But they've just looked awful, honestly, in both of their games. Really, I mean, I guess it was losing all those players, and Dabo Sweeney just doesn't have the squad this year. Um, and really, I could see challenges coming at them from any side of the ACC. Like, honestly, you know, they're playing at NC State this week. I definitely think that's going to be their first real test. And I could easily see Clemson losing that game. You know, this isn't the past where, you know, Clemson's looking like they're going to go undefeated. You know, this is definitely a season where Clemson's vulnerable. So that's really the only other thing I would change in addition to the things you guys were saying. Um, but that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Clutch Crew Sports. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Clutch Crew Sport. There's no S on the end because Eric couldn't fit it in. Tush is at Clutch Crew Sport. Subscribe on YouTube to Clutch Crew Sports. And leave your comments down below. Ask us any questions. Who knows? If you ask us a question on Twitter or on uh, YouTube, we might include it in a future podcast episode. So once again, thank you guys so much for watching. And we'll see you next time. Remember, guys... Oh, sorry, we don't know how sorry. to rotate <laughs> the order now. The first time. I was just going to say, be clutch. And for Eric, peace.